Good morning. It's Tuesday. February the 28th, 2023, in the time of Bo Blimdock. My left arm is a robot arm. It is angry. It seeks flesh, the flesh of the nighttime, the cocaine love, the whiskey fast sideways Sally Texas style Las Vegas integrated total self love. Yes, it's February the 28th, <clears throat> 2023, Boblimp Doc. It's Tuesday in February, which means it's, it's Tuesday in the Tuesday of the year. February is the Tuesday of the year. It uber sucks. That little groundhog deserves to die. It deserves to die. That little fucking groundhog. But let's not dwell on the Tuesday of the Tuesday of the year. It is Tuesday. It is February the 28th, and this is your good friend, Dan. And as you've noticed, I've tried to make some changes to my podcast to at least, in the very least, do a podcast every day. I missed yesterday. I'm a shithead. Whatever pain comes to me, I deserve. I deserve whatever pain befalls me. I don't know what to say, folks. Um, I've received comments saying they wish they had the really long podcast. And I've received comments that said, you know, I love your podcast, but I wish it was briefer, more concise, and focused. And the reality is I can do both in a way. 
uh, by simply taking a multi-topic podcast and breaking it into smaller ones. And so that's what I'm doing. I am sorry to some of my listeners because I know there are some really great folks out there, really good folks. The problem is I need to find 10,000 people like you that want to listen to a podcast for an hour or two. Listen, even if I had the best podcast in the world, there just aren't that many people who will listen to it for an hour. And I don't think my demographic currently is that big. So the, the only way that I can think of of breaking out a bit is to go back to where I was a few years ago and do more brief, concise podcasts, but do them more frequently, you know? Maybe instead of doing one or two a week, do one every day. Maybe even do a couple per day. Who knows? And then maybe carve out the storytelling to the extent that it makes sense um, unto its own podcast. That's what I'm trying to do. I don't know. I have a bunch of really great listeners. And a bunch of them are extremely generous. But I feel like a shithead every time I get a donation where I say to myself... This should have come from 30 people. Not one person who's really generous, but 30 people. So this is my dilemma. My problem, my, um, yeah, my obstacle. Is I have to figure out a way to get more people listening. And the reality is there just aren't that many people who will listen to that many podcasts that last more than an hour, let alone more than, you know, more than half an hour, let alone more than an hour. So what I'm shooting for is 30 minutes. So far, I've gone over, you know, in most cases. I'm shooting for 30 minutes or less. And or less could be as as brief as 10 minutes. I, I have no rule there. I just need to get things in a format where I could realistically appeal to a bigger audience. And right now I don't. And I don't think it's necessarily because of the content alone. Although, as you may know, listeners, I am eschewing as much news as I can right now, except when it's appropriate. Like today, I'm gonna to talk about a, a, an incident in the news, but it's gonna be connected to a story, a, a different story, a fictional story. But um, I'm gonna talk about it briefly. You know, once we get over this issue of, hey, if you're shocked out there listening to my podcast and you're pissed off that you're not getting your full hour, hour and a half, realistically, you'll probably get more more hours per week because of this change than you did before. And you're going to get a more frequent kind of conversation. So I don't know. I'm sorry to the people who wanted the longer one. I may end up going back to it. I may. But right now, I have to figure out a way through this, okay? And let me just give you the bottom line. Unlike some people who try to have a realistic conversation with you about the future, um, I don't pretend that that future includes my podcast. I don't. I'm doing this for lots of reasons. And, and some reasons I discovered, like I discovered people in my life who became my friends, perhaps even my best friends, my lifetime best friends. And, and how magical, magical internet? From the podcast.
yeah, from the podcast, I um, I met people. And that was a reason, a purpose that revealed itself. Like I said, it wasn't a purpose I'd set out to do that. I, I actually thought I would alienate just about everybody, you know. Um, but instead, I found that there's a bunch of people out there who feel the same way I do. And maybe we don't agree on everything. Why would we? But we do agree mostly on a few basic things. Like, for example, whatever the truth is, currently your government's not going to tell you. Period. It could be because it's incompetent. We'll go Hanlon's razor. It doesn't know, Dan. It's too fucking stupid. Don't, don't, don't blame it, Dan. It's just really fucking stupid. It's the government, Dan. And it's just really stupid. Well, if that's the case, why do you vote? Why do you participate in it? I mean, why do you, you know, I'm not saying you should pick a fight with a crocodile, but why wouldn't you figure out a way to not pay taxes to it? If it is this big, dumb, stupid, monstrous animal that can fire Gatling guns of depleted uranium at any random orphan in a desert, why the fuck do you even, you know, want to support it if you think it's that fucking stupid? We agree that the government's lying to us. And yeah, we also probably agree the government is that fucking stupid. But it's powerful. And powerful can sometimes make up for stupid. You know, a lot of dumb people throughout history had gold. And that gold bought them smart people. And those smart people did really fucking messed up shit. Because the, the, the guy with the gold said, build me a bomb. The guy with the gold said, build me a camp. Right over there. Oh no. <laughs> the Cherokee won't mind. We'll call it a reservation. It'll sound classy. Like you're in old-timey New York town and you're gonna meet with George Washington himself. A fucking reservation. Yeah, so this argument, well, they're too stupid to do something. Brothers and sisters, if you have enough gold, stupid can buy smart people to do horrible fucking shit. To include fucking with the weather. Oh, how, are you enjoying your magical uh, winter this year brought to you by Raytheon? Yeah, my screen locked up on me because I didn't move my mouse around, so I gotta unlock it real quick, fucker. It's a conspiracy, Dan. Well, you know, here's the deal. P not everything is a conspiracy. I mean, not everything has an evil agenda. Sometimes terrible shit just happens. It really does. And then sometimes it's a pattern of abuse. 
And sometimes the, the abuse is multi-layered. It's a multi-layered cake. It's many-layered, many-layered abuse. It just doesn't hurt one person, but it hurts many people. I think child abuse is like that. I think people who abuse their children are people who hurt one person directly and indirectly hurt a community. And they don't understand, especially if they do it in public, how much they hurt that community. Me, I'm an anarchist. To the extent that I believe there are boundaries people shouldn't cross, they shouldn't. But if I lived in a community that accepted child abusers, I would move. Or I would do something. I wouldn't hire a lawyer. I wouldn't find myself a cop. <laughs> it's probably the abuser, an ex-cop. Because at that point, the cops are out of business. I'm talking the future time. Yeah, if I found a domestic abuser, someone that beat their kids or beat their wife or beat their husband, whether it's a man or a woman doing the beating, I would either move out of that community someplace else or more likely I would just take care of it myself. And that's in the future, the future to come. I, I'm not talking about today. Today, for the most part, we're all kind of, you know, in the police state on the reservation. But in a free world... I have come to the belief that as imperfect as vigilante justice is, it might be a million times better than the so-called justice system. The justice system that's too fucking expensive, the justice system that's too fucking corrupt, and a justice system that supports people with money and, and resources and gold and enables them to get away with really heinous shit with very little consequences, but the rest of us can get anally fucked. Yeah, I would prefer the vigilante justice. I'd prefer that to every fucking lawyer in the country. And it's not that I think it would be perfect. It's not that I don't think there'd be abuses. But my God, brothers and sisters, look at your current system. Tell me it's perfect. Tell me there are no abuses. Let's get into it. There's an article published on February the 23rd about a woman, an elderly woman, a 60-year-old woman in Knoxville that was at a hospital because she'd complained of having issues, various kinds of issues, stomach issues, you name it. And they claimed they couldn't find anything, so they discharged this woman, and she was sitting outside. So the hospital, you know, she was just sitting out there in a wheelchair. The hospital called the cops. Yeah. You remember those dancing healthcare heroes from 2020? You need, I've worked around hospitals, brothers and sisters. There's a reason why I was skeptical of the monkey herpes to, to begin with. But believe me, this story is way closer to the truth than a lot of stories out there, even if it is a lie. This woman, Lisa Edwards, 60 years old, um, was outside the hospital. The hospital called the cops. The cops showed up. And the cops... And I'm not going to go into all the sordid details. There's a link to an article. You can read the sordid details yourself. But the bottom line is, they abused her. They mocked her. They treated her like shit, like garbage. And they ignored the fact that she was in pain and she was suffering. She was actually undergoing a stroke. 
And as she was going through a stroke, these cops abused her and tortured her and treated her like shit. And before you tell me, well, Dan, this is really rare, I'm going to tell you something about force. Very few good people are attracted to it. And when they are, they usually end up like Serpico without the fucking movie, without the, the redemption, without the surviving an attack or whatever. They don't, there's no movie for most of these cops. Actual good cops don't live long. There might be a lot of cops that sit on their hands, that pretend they don't see it, pretend they don't hear it. They might not do it themselves. Well, Dan, I don't rape kids. I don't rape people I arrest. But brother, sister, do you report the fucker that does? Do you report that piece of shit that does abuse somebody in their squad car? Do you report that piece of shit that does rape somebody in a jail cell? You can tell me all live long day that you never did it yourself, you piece of shit. But it was your job to protect everybody. Not just special people, not just somebody that lives by the fucking golf course. But you were supposed to protect everyone. And you failed. And to all those out there, we'll, we'll never know their names. But to all those families of cops that were killed by cops, that were murdered by cops because their husband their wife, their child, tried to do the right thing, <laughs> something you don't really want to do in the world of force, and they just got killed. They walked into the crusher. Lisa Edwards, 60 years, 60 years old, died um, while she was being taken, I, I, I assume, to the jail. This old woman... This woman who had lots of people that loved her, lots of people that cared about her, okay, lots of people that probably looked forward to seeing her, she died in police custody on the way to the fucking jail, basically. But the thing about a story like this, and again, I don't think a lot of these stories get told these days unless there's a purpose. The thing about a story like this is it doesn't really lead you anywhere called solution. How do you fix this? Because it keeps you in the box. You are very much in the Overton window when you read this story. Because what are you going to do? Are you going to protest? Are you going to make some fucking signs? Oh, Dan, I'm going to vote. There's a new candidate. She's a very nice candidate. She says she's going to help people. She's going to make it right. No, that's never going to happen. Those people too, the one or two, that, the actual one or two good people that go into politics, they get chewed up in the crusher also. I don't know the truth about John F. Kennedy, neither do you. We probably never will. I think this crooked system is going to collapse before we ever get to know the fucking truth. And unlike the mamushkas of Moscow, or the babushkas or whatever, who could take all the, the shredded paper and translate, nobody's going to care. And it's all digital anyways. And it'll all mostly be burned. And most of you, like me, if we're lucky, are going to spend our live-long days just trying to survive. You want to know how easy it is to get away with something when the people that would hold you accountable are too busy just trying to survive? Yeah.
I don't want to spend this whole podcast just on this article, but what I want to do is say that this article expresses frustration and anger and rage and confusion, but it provides no exit. And in that sense, the reason why an article like this doesn't get um, memory hold is because even if it is true, and I think it probably is a true story, but especially if it is true, it serves the purpose of keeping people angry and confused and immobilized. It keeps them in the Overton window, on the fucking reservation, and there's no way any of those people on the reservation are ever going to escape. And as, as I've, I've said, and this is also related to marketing the podcast, we're at the point in the game where it's extremely unlikely that you're going to convince people they were wrong. I mean, so many people I encounter, especially in the social media world, need to believe that the COVID was kind of real in some form, some limited hangout. The, the most popular amongst the alt-right is the Chinese lab. Yeah. If you need to believe that shit, if that's the shit that's going to get you through the day, whatever. I won't say God bless because you're essentially taking counsel from the devil. But if you need to believe falsehoods in order just to get by, I don't give a fuck. I'm not going to hear you scream. The, the good news is this isn't the Milgram experiment and I don't have a hand on the switch. I am not the person pushing your button. And when you go... When you're destroyed, there's not going to be somebody with a, a fucking camera taking a picture. You won't end up on Facebook. A lot of motherfuckers are going to die alone in the cold. And do I think that's a good thing? No. Do I think that must be that way? No. No, it, it could be different. Do I think that it will be different? No. We're at the point in the game where you've chosen your spot on the Death Star. And believe me, brothers and sisters, I don't care if you live in the boonies like me or if you live in the big city. There is no safe place on the Death Star. When it starts going to pieces, it will go to pieces in a furious way. And you're going to be dealing with people, whether it's in the city, you know, a thousand to one, or out in the countryside, 20 to one. You're going to be dealing with circumstances where there will simply be more hungry people than food. And that won't be the only problem. Um, like I said, I'll leave it to you guys to read the rest of this. I, I don't pretend to, to know for certain if this story is true. As I've told you in recent weeks, and I'm going to stay true to my word, um, I don't believe the news itself at this point should be taken, you know, without a bag of salt. It doesn't mean any story in and of itself is false, 
But if this is a highly curated news feed on the internet in the world today, I don't care if it's local news or national news, it's highly curated. So even if the news is true, there's a reason why they want you to see it. Before I get into the story, the story will tell, I'd also like to mention something else, and I, and I think I've kind of talked about it, but um, I just want to get it out of my system. I have known people, and I, maybe I'm repeating myself here, but I have known people in my life who enjoy mocking the poor and mocking the homeless. You know, not one person. So if you're listening saying, oh, you're talking about, you know what? If you think I'm talking about you, that's your fucking problem. I'm way past that, scrumbo. If your soul is so ridden with wounds that you listen to a shitty podcast that nobody listens to, to a dude that is banned, shadow banned, deleted, and has his fucking blogs removed, what the fuck is your problem? What, what guilt are you hiding? No, I'm not talking to you alone. I'm talking about a bunch of people I knew in my former life. The life where I really believed I would get ahead as a software engineer and, and, and have that six-figure job, which, believe me, brothers and sisters, I can get that job. And I'd never ask questions. That's the hard part. And I'd get myself a home someplace, you know, where I could have a little garden and a dog named Freddy. That was never going to happen. In that former life... I was never the person who said, let's mock the poor, let's make fun of the homeless. But I knew so many who did. And I've come to understand that. Okay, it's a lot like projection. What they are really talking about and mocking and what they're really focused on is their fear. The more they see somebody who's broken in the street, the more they see a family living out of their minivan, the more they ask that question, could that be me? And that's why they do it. They don't do it solely because they're pieces of shit. A lot of them are pieces of shit, making fun of the poor, making fun of the homeless. But really, it's because they're dirtbags who know they could go there too. And I don't care how much money you think you have. On the Death Star, <laughs> it's, it's Vader who's issuing it. You know. But I can trust Vader. He cares, you yeah, know, really. He lifts you up with his fist of terror. Vader lifts you up to into the light. And there's a tunnel. And people are waiting for you. Because <laughs> Vader lifted you up towards that white light. If you spend any time of your day mocking people, specifically people who are in, in an unfortunate situation, and I, I think this probably includes using words like autistic or retarded or even cancerous. I'll be honest with you, these are words. I'm not afraid of them. So if, if they end up in a podcast or creative writing, don't be fucking surprised because we shouldn't be afraid of words. But that's fiction or that's storytelling or that's podcasting in the generic. If you use words like those, if you specifically mock people in order to injure them, in order to cause pain, you're wasting your what little fucking precious time you have. I won't appeal to you not being a piece of shit, especially if you're a fucking cop. 
But what I'll pretend for a second is that you can be a fucking human being for a second. And by the way, this isn't about me. I'm poor, in a way technically homeless, although I, I do have a basement room I've been renting. And, and I could probably be a street person, actually in the streets homeless. It, that could happen. And I kind of think I'd just be ahead of my time for a lot of people. I, I would just be a little ahead of the curve. Don't spend any time mocking the poor, brothers and sisters. I don't care if you're rich or poor yourself. Focus on your own shit. Try to lead by example. Instead of spending any time mocking people for being fat, for being sick, for not being as smart as you, instead of mocking the weak because you're afraid you're really weak, focus on your own shit. There's an idea. And if you're going to mock, if you're going to make fun of, make fun of power. Make fun of force. Make fun of evil. If you're going to mock, if you feel the need to call somebody stupid, call the motherfuckers in the big pharmaceutical companies stupid. Mock them. Poke them. They got plenty of ego to give. Dutch Master Screegle, he flies like an eagle. He lives with a beagle named Bernie Malone. Dutch Master Screegle, he flies like an eagle. He lives with a beagle named Bernie Malone. Old Screegle stakes out the hidey hole behind the Chevron station. Across from your favorite chai latte paradise bar. He usually carries a cardboard sign and stands the corner near the off-ramp at rush hour. Hoping some fucker will give him 20 bucks for liquor and smokes. You'd, 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 you'd say he was a stink demon. And his face was burly brown. Like those freaks that hunt panther down there in South Florida. But Screegle, or Screeg as his friends called him, was no common street roach, just roaming from one cripple ground to another. As the Jenkins folk <laughs> make banners from human skin, and the Grizzlies find warm milk by the sun. There was a time when it was just him and Bob and the old Vietnam vet symptomatic nerve gas, and they owned the off-ramp and the coffee shop parking lot and the theater crowd. Oh, that theater crowd. They could live off of a few bucks from kind souls, weird figures of regret, running from dead hookers and whiskey cocaine club girls. These well-dressed gentle folk fearing disease and truth, would just toss a 50 at you and run for their Tesla. Screeg had a woman named Dez. She was a hard and grisly. She was filled with spice. She wore an old messed up wedding dress, 
covered in vomit and bloodstains. And she still had the veil. Des would whore herself out to truckers at the Flying J. And then link back up with Skrig a little later. Dutch master Skriegel, his mind is illegal. The cops fed him seagull and he got really sick. The streets were harder than ever before. A new crowd of drifters were everywhere, young and mean and high on meth, ready to cut someone up and use their body to fuel pure red desire. These were the honeypot cowboys, snaking old fetter friends and geezers and dumping bodies at the construction sites around town while the cement was still wet. No more chicken whispered Des. She'd end the day handing out blowjobs near Popeye's off of 33rd Street, not far from the old abandoned slaughterhouse. They dumped their chicken at night, and it meant a lot of food and protein. They'd eat chicken and drink Mad Dog, Des and Skrieg. Skrieg and Des got arrested. The prisons and jails were so full, so cops had a chance to invoke Rule 222. The state had recently passed a law that gave cops the power to dispense instant justice. And the fine people of middle-class suburban, suburban, suburban land, yeah, the fine people of middle-class suburbia, they didn't give a shit because their kids were, were pill heads and their world was imploding. The cops locked Skrieg and Des in one of the overflow sewers near the harbor. If the tides were too high, or, or there was a storm surge, Skrieg and Des would drown. And nobody cared. And nobody was saved. While Skrieg was locked and chained in that sewer with Des, the cops would come by and feed him lunch... Des and Skrieg were fed a stew the cops made. It was cold and oily and smelled like the wharf. There were ground-up seagulls in that mash, and Des got sick, and Skrieg got really sick. They both began barfing up blood. The cops let them go after a week, seeing all that blood. Skrieg wondered if it would have been better if those fucking pigs had just let them die. Dutch Master Skriegel, he lives like a rat. His wife and him suckle the whim and eat dead cat. Des knew the cops that had kidnapped them. They would get their tubes cleaned at Popeye's every afternoon. Skrieg had found a butcher knife tossed by Panera's. It was sharp and strong and straight. It felt mighty to him.
Skrieg practiced with that knife. He set up some wood on a busted sofa in the alley. And he'd stab that wood over and over again like it was those fucking cops that fed him the seagull. Angrier and angrier, more and more frustrated, old Skrieg had been kicked around long enough. His mind was on fire from fever and sadness. Those cops think we're garbage, said old Skrieg. And Skrieg was going to show them. Des told the tale to the fat cop, Todd, and let him know that a real sweet hooker party was happening not far from the Chevron off the of 33rd. Todd was a swaggering beast, fat, an oddly muscular, juicing, shooting up human growth hormone in a cocktail of PCP and mescaline. The cop showed up at the location. Des was, Des was there, along with her girlfriend, Marla. The cops started rubbing their crotches, and the two women stripped down to reveal their emaciated and needle-track-ridden bodies. And Skrieg was hiding behind the dumpster. Skrieg was hiding behind the dumpster. He had a knife in his hand. His body was trembling. Skrieg was there, waiting for action, filled with infections, filled with parasites, from eating that shitty seagull. Once he saw that the men were in deep and riding the pony, he crept up behind Todd and stabbed him in the brainstem. An old Marine vet taught him that trick. The other cop, his name was Fred. He was startled and, tr and tried to pull his rancid cock out of Dez's buvula. But Dez wrapped her legs around that shithead. And Skrieg cut his throat like the pig he was. And the pigs lay there, both of them, on the ground, shaking and bleeding and pleading for their wretched lives. Dez and Skrieg got their shit together and moved on. They, Dez and Skrieg, had just enough money for two bus tickets to Scompton. And there was real hope in Scompton. Jobs, maybe. They heard about jobs. Weird kinds of jobs. Maybe some housing for homeless. Some place in Scompton. They both knew it was a long shot. But they couldn't stay in this dark city. And this was their last chance, perhaps, of getting clean and getting gone. So they boarded their bus and they sat calmly together, loosely holding the world and tightly holding each other's hands.
Screegan Des, they found a knife. Screegan Des, they took a life. They dumped that body out at that pier. And they have nothing, nothing left to fear. If you listen to this podcast and you enjoy it, it's hard to imagine why. But if you do, and you understand that currently it's a little bit under construction in the sense that I'm trying to make some changes to formats and whatnot, but if you enjoy it and you've taken care of your food, your water, your shelter, you've taken care of the people you love, you care about, and if you're a prepper and you're stacking food, make sure you stack some food for your fucking dog, for your cat, for your goldfish. Don't be a piece of shit. It's not the end of the world unless you let the world go that way. In the darkest times, you don't have to be a craphead. And you can have the courage to be kind. I'm going to say that again. In the darkest of times, you can have the courage to be kind. So if you're stacking food for yourself and your family, make sure you think about your pets. But if you've done all that and you've taken care of your bills and you feel safe, food, water, shelter-wise, you have the things you need and a few things you want, including love, and you still have some money left over, um, there'll be a PayPal link in this podcast notes on Spotify, sadly, for all sorts of bizarre reasons. The, the link is there in text form, but you can neither click it nor copy it with a mouse. So I don't know what to tell you there. It's kind of sad and depressing, but you can do that whole, you know, control copy thing and you can copy it that way. I can't tell you why they do this to me. It's just the reality I live with. And I don't give a fuck and I don't think I'm special. Do not think I'm special. I think there are a lot of Americans being fucked with. Well, what do they call it? Land of the free, home of the brave. Wow. I think that's the land that we're supposed to be living in, the land of the free and the home of the brave then I think if we're really honest here on the Death Star, we're all homeless. Anyways, the PayPal link will be there. For Tuesday, February the 28th, Bo Blimpdoc, I'm a bit over time, but guess what? That's okay, we're learning. For Tuesday, February the 28th, 2023, Bo Blimpdoc, it's just after 10 a.m. here in Utah, if you can imagine it. Have a great day, bros and hoes. Celebrate your life. Celebrate your body. Celebrate your wealth. Celebrate with Jesus. But don't make fun of poor people. That's low energy shit, okay?